0: From Ortho Carolina, this is the Between the Bones podcast, where we talk about all things orthopedics. We chat with doctors, patients, and medical device experts to help you understand what goes on in your skeleton and what goes into taking care of it. So let's dive in as we go Between the Bones.
1: You know, and it really depends on mechanism of injury. It depends on the patient, their demographics, their goals, their age, their gender other parts of structures that can get injured. And we factor all those in. I mean, we have a lot of research that's available to us as orthopedic sports surgeons to predict who's at risk for recurrence and what that treatment algorithm can look like.
0: And joining me on the show today, I've got Dr. Saltzman. Dr. Saltzman, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me, I appreciate it.
0: All right, I'm excited about this. So today we're gonna talk about common shoulder injury of instability and dislocation with labral repair. I don't know what I just said. So uh, maybe you could give me, uh, maybe like tell me what that, what is that? Give me the
1: overview here. Yeah, of course. So, you know, this gets into the discussion of shoulder instability or or dislocations of the shoulder, right? And so when we look at the shoulder structures and anatomy, I always talk about how that shoulder is unfortunately set up by the creator to be a little bit unstable inherently. And so that's because there's a, it's the golf ball and a golf tee analogy. You've got this big round ball on a somewhat flat surface. And so unlike the hip, which is a little bit more of a ball and socket, the shoulder is a lot more mobile and we see that, right? I mean, the hip doesn't get to do this. And, uh, and so we need it to do that. And, and the way that our shoulder is otherwise stabilized on this very flat tee is by the labrum, which is a ring of cartilage that sits around the shoulder socket. And so that's kind of how we look at it. We think of it of a golf tee with a suction seal, the way that a rim would be around something in your plumbing. And then the ball sits on top and it creates a suction to hold that in place. And if you do something where the shoulder pops out of place, the ball moves away from that socket, it tends to tear the labrum, And so it really can't get out of place without tearing that suction seal, causing an injury to the lining of the joint, which is called the capsule and then frequently causing an injury to that labrum, which is that ring of cartilage around it. The problem there then is once that suction seal is broken, once that labrum has torn, it has poor blood supply, the mechanical stability is not there, it cannot heal itself. And so the tendency is the risk for recurrence, for it happening again. And it's easier to happen once it's happened once, and it's easier to happen a third time if it's happened two times. And so the structure, again, of the shoulder is we take for granted what we have in range of motion and strength and the stabilizers of the shoulder being there. But that important structure being injured, unfortunately, really sets it up for recurrence.
0: Hmm. Okay. And so the shoulder gets injured, which sounds like no fun at all. (laughs) Uh, What's the what's the next step? They come to you. They've got an injured shoulder. Where are we going from there?
1: Yeah. So if there's a confirmed dislocation, for instance, right? So I have a patient come into clinic who was in a football game. They felt their shoulder pop out. Their trainer felt that it was popped out, pulled it back in, right? They come into the office. First thing we have to do is we need an x ray. We got to look, right? Because we, we don't want to just assume implicitly that that ball has, you know, very mildly, traumatically come out and very easily come back in because it really does. What we look for on x rays, number one, is to make sure that shoulder's back into place right? Make sure that it's not where we think it isn't. And then once we've done that, we have to look at the bony structures of that ball and that golf tee, that socket, make sure that there's no bony injuries where the ball coming back into place traumatically, for instance, hasn't knocked off a portion of the socket, which it can't. The other thing that can happen is it can indent the back of the ball. And that's got a name, it's called the hill Sachs lesion by um, physicians way before us who identified that it frequently indents the back of the head as it comes back in. And so that can be an indication for us. If we don't know what happened to the shoulder and we just, you know, our, our athlete or patient says something happened, it felt a pop. I'm not sure what happened. Well, if we get an X-ray and we see some of those bony characteristics without even seeing that the shoulder was ever dislocated on an X-ray, we know that that happened. That leads us then into wanting to investigate further. And that's frequently where an MRI comes into place, right? So the X-rays, we just see the bony structures of the shoulder. We see the bones to make sure there's no cracks in the bones or are Un you know, inappropriate locations of bones. But then we use that MRI to look at the softer tissues, the labrum, the cartilage, the rotator cuff, uh, and, uh, and make sure that there's is, or is not injury related to those.
0: So, I uh, you know, I think we've all seen those movies, right. Where the hero's arm shoulder gets popped out of socket and they just sort of slam it into a wall and then they go save the day. I feel like what you're saying is that's not realistic. Is that, is
1: that what you're that's saying? Not, uh, that's not typical, certainly for a first-time dislocation. Now, for patients who have had multiple dislocations, chronic dislocators, or individuals who have had you know 10 dislocations to the point where they start to pop out of place in their sleep, which does happen, um, unfortunately, those can actually behave more like that, where it can pop out, they can feel it pop out, they've learned how to put their shoulder back into place, and because... The bony structures can wear down some. So that that um, um, shoulder becomes easier to slide back in just like it slid back out. Uh, and, uh, and some of those areas and the capsule lining of the joint becomes really patchless and loose. It can be really easy to slip in and out of place. And so that's obviously become becomes very concerning for our standpoint as a practitioner to say, well, gosh, if it is that easy to come out and go back in, it must have been happening, you know, for a while. And we get concerned about the health of those structures that had to have been injured to do that.
0: And 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 so, you know, again, I'm looking at the movies, right? Is, is, is a shoulder dislocation and then, you know, re, re, like popping relocation. it back in, is that a yeah. relocation? Yeah, but is a shoulder dislocation a relocation? Is that particularly painful?
1: It, it is, especially the first time, um, you know, there are some people out there who are, tougher than me, you know, especially uh, a lot of the patients who come to see me who, I, I mean, I think I would just be a much bigger baby about it. But there are some who have it pop out, have it come back in, and they get moving that shoulder around a lot faster. And, uh, and largely speaking, that's okay. I mean, you know, largely uh, you have a traumatic injury. A lot of times they'll show up in the office in a sling from the emergency department. Um, but I tend to get those shoulders moving sooner rather than later. We don't have to immobilize them forever. Um, and, uh, and that way things don't get stiff in a bad way. Uh, And we can kind of try to help with pain and some of the stiffness and discomfort by getting things going from a little bit of rehabilitation efforts. Uh, But it tends to be a, you know, an unpleasant thing the first time uh, and it never feels good, but if it happens multiple times, it does get, you know, unfortunately easier and more routine for patients uh, who have multiple dislocation events.
0: And, And so, so, so what, I mean, you mentioned, you know, physical therapy, strengthening, like different things like that. I mean, is that the typical treatment for this or are there various types of treatment for this?
1: There are, you know, and it really depends on mechanism of injury. It depends on the patient, their demographics, their goals, their age, their gender other parts of structures that can get injured. And we factor all those in. I mean, we have a lot of research that's available to us as orthopedic sports surgeons um, over the last couple of years um, that, that allows us to try as best as possible to predict who's at risk for recurrence and what that treatment algorithm can look like. And so it used to be years back that we would look at these patients and say, you know, you popped out once, prove to me it's going to happen again before we look to treat those patients from a surgical stabilizing standpoint. well, we know now that each dislocation event is significant and an, an independent risk factor and a cumulative risk factor when it happens multiple times of further increasing risk to other structures and causing arthritis changes in the future. And so each event is significant. And so we now know that those high risk individuals, young male contact athletes, Um, who have significant injuries seen on MRI, uh, who are playing high-level sports or trying to get to the next level of a contact sport, those are individuals where we can reliably predict are at pretty high risk for recurrence. And and so now for me and a lot of my colleagues here and elsewhere, we're talking surgery sooner than we used to. Um, Mm. In an older patient now, I will mention, so if if an 18-year-old dislocates, the labrum tears, right? That's the shoulder structure at risk. And a 55-year-old or a 60-year-old patient who falls off their porch and the arm goes down, it dislocates, it pops back in, it's actually no longer the labrum that we're as concerned about. Usually over the age of 35 or 40, it starts to become a concern for the rotator cuff, which is the buzzword that we often hear as as shoulder injuries um, um, out and around is the rotator cuff, the rotator cuff. And that actually is what's at risk because that's more of a stabilizing type structure that gets stressed in an older shoulder in ways that the labrum doesn't get stressed uh, as much as uh, in comparison with a younger patient.
0: Hmm. Okay. And so then, then what I mean, what's the, what's it look like long-term, right? You've got somebody, maybe they've had one shoulder dislocation, uh, you know, what? Wh- what's the timeline look like to getting back to normal and, and what's the long-term sort of prognosis from that?
1: Yeah. And so, uh, you know, if we talk about, even in a, a patient or an athlete who we're looking at a surgical consideration. So the example I would give for me is one of my college football players, right? So second game of the season, their shoulder dislocates, what do we do with that? And it's, it's likely often, again, in that demographic going to end up in a surgical discussion, but does not necessarily have to happen right away? Uh, and so for players of mine, for instance, who want to try to get back to sports, it can be safe to do that. And, uh, but we have to make sure that they're ready and safe and set up to not ideally have a a re-injury while they're continuing to do the sport that they want to do. And so for me, getting back means a lot of time in the training room, a lot of rehab efforts. Uh, and I don't let my, my athletes get back to sports if they're going to try to do that in season until I say they have full strength, full motion, and no apprehension, meaning their shoulders moving around great. They're strong in testing, they're strong in the, the kind of dynamics ways that we test them with our therapist. And they also don't feel like that shoulder is going to be unstable again. And what we see is right after an instability event, right after a dislocation, we kind of put that arm in the provocative motion. Our patients have what we call positive apprehension tests, which is a really simple way of describing what we see, which is that look on their face of, oh God, if you keep pushing, it's going to come out again. And it feels that way, yeah. right? And so until that goes away, there's a risk to the shoulder. And so for me, for uh, that 18 year old football player, second game of the season, it's usually going to take a few weeks to rehabilitate the shoulder, to get that strength motion and absence of apprehension. And then I'll put them back into play in a harness so that they're safe. So their arm doesn't get in that provocative position again. Mm -hmm. And hopefully allow them to continue to play in the season if they want to. And after that kind of good, healthy discussion about all those options available. Um, But that can be what the short term looks like, right? After a first time dislocation, even if the discussion is, Hey, high risk of this happening again, it doesn't mean we have to rush to the operating room the way that we do. If you break a bone or if you you you, uh, tear a tendon off uh, where those have time urgency, this doesn't necessarily, um, but it, it involves a very, you know, nuanced discussion between us and the patient's, and our trainers, and the coaches, and the family, to make sure that we're all on the same page about you know kind of risk benefits alternatives.
0: Hmm. Wow. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's really interesting. Well, uh, Dr. Salzman, this has been really fascinating. Is there is there anything that I missed? Is there anything else that we should know about this injury and about the road to to full recovery from it?
1: Yeah. I just you know I largely think I would say that uh, unfortunately this. Similar to a lot of other surgeries and sports that we do, is on the back side of things, if we do fix these problems or repair the labrum, while we do them arthroscopically in a lot of situations, in most situations, so small poke holes around the shoulder. It's another one of those where you look at the shoulder and you see the surgery was quick and outpatient and successful, and you've got just these small incisions. But it's another one of those surgeries with a big rehabilitation. So it's, you know, multiple weeks in a sling, a lot of time with physical therapy and up to six months or more to get back to the contact type sports in a lot of situations. Uh, and so, uh, again, even though, um, Like for me, my ACL surgery patients, these young, healthy individuals who we operate on, for instance, who are feeling really good closer to that two to three month mark and getting their motion back and feeling stronger. we got to let biology do its thing. We have to rehab to completion and make sure that these athletes or or individuals are safe to get back to those activities they want to do, um, even though we can get them back to some activities of daily living, for instance, at a much faster time point.
0: Mm, Yeah, that's really, really good to know. Well, Dr. Salzman, this has been fascinating. Um, I really appreciate the work that you're doing with with athletes and just people of all natures. And uh, thanks for the great work. And thank you for joining us on the show today. Thanks
1: for having me and giving me a chance to speak.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Between the Bones podcast. We're glad you could join us today to learn more about this topic of orthopedic medicine. If you want to learn more, go to Carolina's website at www.orthoCarolina.com. This podcast episode was produced by Edgewise with production and script writing by Clara Jennings and production and editing by Neil Gee. Thanks for listening.